Hey, everybody, and welcome to another episode of JavaScript Jabber. I'm your host, Charles Maxwood, and we're going to be talking to Dominic Kundel. Dominic, do you just want to introduce yourself real quick? Sure, yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Dominic. I work as a developer evangelist at uh, Twilio, and I'm based out of San Francisco. Very cool. One ambition I had early on in my career was actually to build iOS apps. And so, of course, my solution was to start a podcast talking about how to build iOS apps. And so we asked around, we got some ideas, and eventually Josh Susser from the Ruby Rogues podcast put up the idea of the iFreaks show, and that's what we called it. You can find it at iFreakshow.com, and every week we're talking about iOS development and Swift and Objective-C and libraries and reactive programming and all of the things that go into making good iOS apps. I don't run the show anymore, but we've got Andrew Madsen, who puts together the curriculum for Lambda School. We've got James Uber, who's been doing iOS development as a freelancer for a long time. We've got Mike Holt, who's a good friend of mine, who's been who's worked in Xamarin and in Swift, and currently does a bunch of interesting work on that. And we've got other people that we're bringing in all the time to make that show better. So if you're trying to keep up on all of the advancements that Apple makes, all of the announcements from WWDC, and you want to hear from people who are doing this day in and day out and talking about it and teaching people about it and doing the work with it, then you definitely need to check out iFreaks. You can find it at iFreaksShow.com. That's I-P-H-R-E-A-K-S show.com. Now, it's interesting. We ran into each other at OzCon and we've talked about Twilio and some of the telephony stuff on shows in the past, but it's been a while and it's an interesting thing to add on to your applications if you're building stuff in in JavaScript. So I thought it'd be interesting to jump on the call and and have a conversation about you know, SMS and Twilio and, and what's offered there. I know that there are competitors to Twilio as well. But yeah, you know, Twilio is the one that I'm most familiar with. And I, I always find it interesting how the SMS message approach can kind of augment your user experience. And so I feel like it's something that's well worth talking about. I'm a little curious, though, as we get into this, has Twilio always been focused on SMS or have they... Because I seem to remember them doing a few other things as well. So we actually started off with uh, phone calls. Jeff Yell, um, Jeff Lawson, and a couple of other folks started Twilio with the ability to enabling people to integrate phone calls into their into their applications because that's something that Jeff had seen in like a bunch of different startups he had founded over the time to be very difficult because you had to work with a bunch of consultants and work with different telephone providers to actually have the ability to integrate phone calls into your own applications. And so the idea of Twilio was very much to provide any web developer the ability to integrate phone calls into their own applications using sort of the technology that they already use. And so that's why everything is very REST API-based and Webhook API-based so that you know anyone that knows how to interact with HTTP requests knows how to use Twilio. And so from there, then like a year later or something, we integrated SMS. And so with SMS, then um, people became more and more curious about it. I think largely because even more than phone calls, I think SMS for a lot of people seems to be like this kind of black box that people are not really familiar with of like, how do you actually implement this yourself? And so a lot of people know us for SMS, but technically we started with phone calls and these days we do anything that is around communication. So we have APIs that allow you to integrate chat or video into your applications. We recently acquired SendGrid at the beginning of the year for emails. 
and have our own IoT solution. If you want to have mobile data, you can get SIM cards from us. So anything around communication, we really provide APIs for that. Yep. Very cool. Now, my first programming job, I was hired by a consultancy to write Ruby on Rails. And the app that I was building for the client was actually a text message app. This was, I think, a little bit before Twilio was really on in the picture. So we were writing code against these... Um, I forget what they were called. They were like some kind of phone exchange. Yeah, API gateways. Like, like SMS yeah. gateways, typically, yeah. And uh, boy, that was painful. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing where we often come in where a lot of developers that might have interacted so with SMS gateways and stuff before found like different pain points. And so what we actually created is uh, what we call the super network on top of all of this. So we work with carriers and gateways around the world to make sure that we actually provide uh, very reliable services. So based on the fact that we have customers around the world that use us at very high volumes like Uber, Lyft and, uh, and Airbnb, for example, we can use all of that knowledge to kind of improve our services and, and work with different carriers and, and gateways to provide a very stable uh, service and then also focus heavily on making sure that the experience for developers is great. I'm pretty sure that I've gotten notifications from Lyft, but I've also gotten um, notifications or text messages from Lyft too saying, your driver's here. So that's you guys, huh? Yeah, that's that's us. Uh, even though like Lyft and companies like Uber are also interesting because they use us for cases like phone number masking, for example. So if you've ever kind of interacted with your driver, for example, via a phone call or via SMS, you actually don't see their number and they don't see your number. Instead, uh, we have a Twilio number that is kind of acting as a proxy so that you both don't see each other's numbers. And when the ride is over, you will interact with a call center instead rather than like the driver. And so you don't have to worry about, you know, the driver being able to like track you down with your phone number afterwards. I hadn't even thought of that. That's awesome. So that's one of one of our like very common use cases these days. Um, I wish it was more common. I'm, I'm very excited about phone number masking. And I think it's something that people do not necessarily directly think about, but kind of using a Twilio number as like an intermediary is a, is a use case that I'm personally very excited about. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I could see that too, where, yeah, you don't know, you don't know enough about the person you're interacting with to know if you trust them. Yeah. And so, yeah, you could uh, set something up like that and then take advantage of the system. Yeah. And then, and then Lyft, for example, they, Power. We recently introduced something called uh, Flex, which is our contact center solution, which is uh, powered by React, and it's uh, our approach of kind of taking our philosophy of of like how we believe everything should be programmable and kind of configurable, basically like Lego, and take that onto a like shipping actual software. So this is the first time we're shipping software instead of just APIs. And so the contact center, the way it's built though, is it's highly customizable and flexible. So it has a bunch of different APIs that allow you to build plugins in React that let you change anything you want. So you can tap into the Redux store of the contact center and modify things there. You can tap into different actions that might happen inside the inside your contact center, like for example, accepting an incoming task, and as well as have completely changed the UI by building React components that can both again have grab data out of the uh, out of the store or by just, you know, playing around. Like when we introduced Flex, I actually put sort of like a 
Tony Hawk pro skater style UI onto the content <laughs> center just to kind of play around with what you can do. And so Lyft uses that, for example, as well to kind of uh, integrate with Twilio. And so if you call their content center, they're able to do grab a bunch of information together and provide you a better user experience through that. Very cool. So what, what are some of the gotchas then with telephony? I mean, I, I have my phone in my pocket all the time and I don't necessarily want to be bothered unless I want to be bothered. Yeah, I think that's the regulations aspect and kind of where we got in the past or like through the, through the past, especially with spam calls in the US. Like I come from Germany and there I didn't really get that many spam calls, if ever. And the moment I arrived here, you know, like I, I tend to not answer my phone a lot, you know, and so... We acknowledge that and uh, we're, we're working, for example, with a couple of different providers on something called, uh, like that we announced a few weeks ago called Verified by Twilio, which will allow um, companies to basically be able to, one, get verified by us to make sure that they're not, you know, pretending like they're a certain company, but they are actually the real, real deal. But then also work with them on being able to specify things like the reason why they're calling without you having to answer the phone. So you should be, you will be able to see sort of your health insurance calling about a certain claim, for example, rather than, you know, having an anonymous number ring you. And then the other thing is that from like more of a company perspective or like a developer perspective, there's a lot of different uh, regulations around the world uh, mm-hmm. that you have to adhere to. So there are certain countries where you can only send SMS from specific types of numbers or only during certain business hours. I'm not sure which country it was, but like there's a country where you can only send SMS uh, during business hours. If you like automated SMS. So if you would send them outside of the business hours, uh, you could lose your phone number. And so we, we take care of a lot of those regulations for you. In fact, we just released, I think a new website, I think it's twitter.com slash guidelines or something that, gives you all of these kind of guidelines of like how you have to interact with SMS in, and te- uh, telephony in the different countries so that you kind of don't hit any any red tape. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah, I remember when we were going through it, I think mostly what we were dealing with were carrier restrictions. They wanted us to respond a certain way to certain messages. So like if somebody put in stop, we had to res- respond to that. And- yeah, th- those are the kind of like regulations you always have to take care of. So for some of the stop one, we, I'm not sure if we've done it from the beginning, but we've done this for years now that that's built in by, uh, by us. But what we allow, allow you to do since two weeks ago, I think, is to fully customize these messages so that if you don't want to have the default behavior where someone writes stop and you kind of get this generic message, you can actually modify kind of the responses that we'll send out for that so that you can can modify that behavior. Yeah, that makes sense. That sure would have been nice too. You know, it just would have automatically unsubscribed us. We didn't have to build in all the extra features when we got a message and all that stuff. Yeah. So you do it all through a REST API. If somebody was going to go build this themselves, I mean, what what would they have to do? So if you want to include anything from phone calls and stuff like that, sending an SMS is as easy as doing an HTTP POST request. So you can either, if you're a node, for example, use our helper library, you can use our new Twilio CLI to do that, or you just use any library that you can uh, use to do an HTTP POST request. So this can be either in a language like JavaScript, or this can be a mm-hmm. curl request via Bash, for example. Right. 
if somebody wanted to go out and actually, you know, they're like, well, I don't want to pay for Twilio. Oh, gotcha. I, I want to go work on, you know, with an SMS gateway or whatever. Yeah. I mean, what, what, what are the steps there? What, what does that look like? I mean, I personally didn't go fully through all of those steps, but like one, one way is to kind of do, do the job of working with carriers to directly to interact with, uh, interact with them and get through their kind of gateways. Uh-huh. Um, as well as there's sort of a couple of gate, uh, gateways available that you can interact with where you then get sort of their proprietary API often to interact with. It might also mean that you will have to learn uh, the different protocols that SMS uses. So I'm, I forgot what the abbreviation right now is, but uh, basically they SMS uses a very proprietary protocol that you would have to use to interact uh, with this and send those SMS out. Gotcha. Yeah, it sounds like it's easier just to figure out what the REST API looks like. Yeah, that's sort of the idea of um, a lot of these because like SMS, for example, uses a different protocol than phone calls. So if you want to interact with phone calls, you got to learn yet another protocol. I remember some folks trying to explain me the protocols and, uh, you know, I feel very comfortable with like HTTP and REST and stuff like that. But I was like, I'm, I'm happy I don't need to know those protocols too, <laughs> to do yeah. that. Yeah, absolutely. This episode is sponsored by Sentry.io. Recently, I came across a great tool for tracking and monitoring problems in my apps. Then I asked them if they wanted to sponsor the show and allow me to share my experience with you. Sentry provides a terrific interface for keeping track of what's going on with my app. It also tracks releases so I can tell if what I deployed makes things better or worse. They give you full stack traces and as much information as possible about the situation when the error occurred to help you track down the errors. Plus, one thing I love, you can customize the context provided by Sentry. So... If you're looking for specific information about the request, you can provide it. It automatically scrubs passwords and secure information, and you can customize the scrubbing as well. Finally, it has a user feedback system built in that you can use to get information from your users. Oh, and I also love that they support open source to the point where they actually open source Sentry if you want to self-host it. Use the code devchat at sentry.io to get two months free on Sentry's small plan. That's code devchat at sentry.io. What kind of use cases are you seeing with uh, systems like this? I mean, they're like the the nice thing that we're always excited about is sort of we talk about two things. One is kind of contextual communications, and then the other thing is code is creative, and that's the beauty of like what we see with Twilio is there's on the one hand you know the use cases that I mentioned like Uber and Lyft for phone number masking, you know that like notifications, account verification. So like if you ever sign up for WhatsApp or something and you receive an SMS to verify that that's your number, all of those kind of like very common use cases. But then we also see a lot of... Or the two-factor authentication. I get that a lot too on SMS. Exactly. So two-factor authentication is another example. And then we see a lot of like fun examples as well. And that's often how people interact with Twilio for the first time. So we have stories from people who, uh, like Tan Mei, who's I think 13 now, who um, built a drone that he can control via text messages using IBM Watson and Twilio, you know, and where he can like text different instructions like lift up and it like flies up or like down to, to go back down. Uh, That's or, cool. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. We actually had him fly this two years ago or something on our keynote stage thing when he was like 13. And so that that's one of those like fun examples. Or if you've uh, seen recently things by Chloe Condon, for example, where she built her fake boyfriend app, where she presses a button on like a flick button, which is a kind of IoT button. And what that will do is it will trigger an Azure function that will then make a call to her phone, kind of pretending it's her boyfriend. 
so that if she <laughs> conversations, she can get out of that by clicking that button. Uh, and so awesome. we see a lot of that kind of creative creativeness as well. Like my colleague Greg Bogus taught his dog to press this big red button that when he hits that, it takes a picture using a Raspberry Pi, or I think it's now using a Raspberry Pi. It used to use an Arduino. And then uh, send that using Twilio MMS to his phone so that the dog can send selfies throughout the day, which is uh, absolutely hilarious and adorable. Yeah, that's awesome. And I know Greg, we've, we've talked on a number of occasions. He's been on uh, Ruby Rogues before. Oh, nice. Yeah. A lot of people that start with these kind of more fun and creative use cases and then come to work and uh, the business has kind of figured out they have to do a use case with SMS and telephony and the folks already know how to, how to use Twilio. Nice. So is there like an NPM package that, you know, makes a lot of this automatic or... Um, yeah, um, and that take most and kind of gives you an easy like HTTP wrapper and exposes all of the different functionality I like that it has. <laughs> and then we also, if you want to kind of like explore this and you you don't know exactly where to get started, we recently launched uh, the third version of um, what we call Twilio Quest, which is actually a game that you can play to learn Twilio. And it's actually a game. Like you download it um, on our side. It's built with Electron, React, and Phaser, which is a game API. And that teaches you how to use it. And it has a built-in node code editor so that you can actually build uh, with JavaScript directly to learn the different APIs and it walks you through them. Oh, very cool. So, uh, yeah, if I want to get started, I, I guess that's a good way to go. Is Are there just documents that'll or documentation that will just walk me through how to yeah. do it? Two best ways to get started is either to go to twilio.com slash docs and kind of go through the normal documentation. That's super useful if you, you know, know exactly what kind of task you're trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. Or if you want to just learn how things work and get an idea of the different capabilities you can have, then uh, installing uh, Twilio Quest is a great way because it kind of combines it with a fun aspect of exploring different worlds. We have a we even created a custom soundtrack. So the like it's a 16-bit style game um, that we can that you can play with like a custom soundtrack and stuff. So oh, nice. So I guess the other question I have is let's say that I want to build an app that you know it lets people know via SMS that hey there's a new episode of JavaScript Jabber out. A lot of our listeners are not in the United States. So will that be a problem for me or? Not necessarily. Uh, So there's two ways you can deal with that fact. One would be the fact that you can, um, you know, send with a US number to any kind of uh, country code. But the other way, if you would want to kind of, you know, make it more personal and say, if a listener is in the UK, they should receive it from a UK number. What you can do is you can get different phone numbers in the different countries that you you want to have custom numbers in and then use a tool that we have built in called uh, Copilot where rather than sending from a, a specific number, you say send this from this pool of different numbers and we will do automatic geomatching so that you, know, uh, you could even have different area codes in the US and if you're sending to something then you actually have an area code, it will send it from that area code. So it feels more personal. Gotcha. Interesting. I'm also curious, let's say I had a thousand people that signed up for this. How much would it cost me to send out a text message every week? It depends on the the country. So like every country, the cost varies because we have to make the deals. In the US right now, I think it's three quarters of a dollar sent per SMS. 
So let's do the quick math. So it would be a $75 to send out a week uh, to set up those. And then, you know, with like scaling, if you like scale up, you know, you always have the ability to go to talk to salespeople and see if you can, you know, push the cost down based on your commitments. But that always depends on like how big your volume is. But like the nice thing is that we always start with pay as you go so that say you decide to not send out the SMS uh, in a week, you know, you don't pay the $75, you only pay really per SMS of what you actually... Makes sense. Is there anything that I should have asked about that I didn't think of? No, I think I think this is the best way to to kind of get started. I think one common question that we uh, tend to get is sort of especially around two factor authentication and SMS. And I think like we've we've just seen this again as much as like there's no direct like confirmation what happened with the account of the founder of Twitter when he got hacked the other day. And so people always are like, oh, like two factor authentication by SMS is insecure. Yes, there is uh, SMS hijack, uh, SIM hijacking and things like that that have been used in the past to kind of get around two-factor authentication via SMS. But those are often just used for very like targeted attacks. attacks. So um, kind of our recommendation around two-factor authentication is we have an API called Authy that allows you to implement different ways of doing two-factor authentication. So you can either use um, push notifications, which is the kind of thing that we actually recommend because you know which devices you're sending these to and you can actually send them encrypted and you don't have to worry about, you know, like someone intercepting them. The second level is sort of the classic, um, what's called a TOTP, a a time-based one-time password. Uh, So that's kind of the token generator that you see with Google Authenticator and others. We provide you a way to integrate that um, either using our Authy, uh, Authy app or by implement uh, using sort of like a classic QR code, if that's what you prefer, even though that's a bit less secure. And then um, the really only a sort of the last resort use SMS and, and phone calls as a two-effect authentication method because it's still secure if you're talking about sort of the classic thing where a database has been hacked, you know, and you have a bunch of passwords and people just run bots against the platform trying to trying to crack the passwords. For those kind of use cases, two-factor authentication by SMS is absolutely a great solution. It's for most people in the world, it's safe. Only if you really worry because you're a high target person or something, or you're doing something like bragging about how big your Bitcoin wallet is on Twitter or something, then you should worry about sort of targeted attacks. And for that kind of SMS is a bit more risky than um, than time-based one-time passwords, for example. Cool. Cool. Well, it sounds like there's a lot of really cool and interesting stuff going on at Twilio. I'm a little bit curious, and I don't know how much you know about it, but uh, I've used SendGrid for a long time for email. How did that acquisition come about? Or is, is that kind of in another area that you don't really... There's actually a blog post about uh, about how this, the SendGrid acquisition uh, happened. I think it's on Business Insider or something. If you, if you Google it, I'm, I'm fairly certain you can find it. I know it involved a burrito. That's all I all I know that <laughs> regarding the acquisition. But I know that like a lot of us were very excited because a lot of our customers on the Twilio side asked for how, whether we can add email capabilities. And similarly on the SendGrid side, a lot of people asked for like SMS capabilities. And so we have naturally already had a lot of customers that used Twilio and SendGrid, and now we can work with them on kind of improving 
the experience of like how to use both together. And similarly, I work on the developer uh, relations side of things, and we've always worked with the SendGrid folks on on things uh, for quite a while. And so it's very exciting to have them now on on our in as part of the Twilio family. Very cool. When I first started taking computer science classes in college, I thought programming was just a joke. In fact, I changed my major over to engineering and started doing computer engineering and chip design. Then I found Ruby and I fell in love. I love Ruby. It was my first real programming language where I dove deep and really learned how to make software that makes a difference for other people. Since then, and the way that we got started with devchat.tv, we started a show called Ruby Rogues. It's currently in the 400s of episodes. We've talked to hundreds of people in the Ruby community about the Ruby community, about the Ruby programming language, about Rails, and about what makes good programming. So if you're interested in Ruby Rogues, or you just want to hear a long series of experienced programmers talking about real problems, then go check out rubyrogues.com. If there's not anything else, then let's go ahead and do some picks. Sure. Now, I'll, I'll go ahead and start us off with picks. Picks are just anything that makes your life better that you enjoy. So uh, I've been reading a book lately called Superfans by Pat Flynn. Now, I've met Pat on a number of occasions. He has a podcast called Smart Passive Income, where he talks about making money on the internet. Anyway, I've really enjoyed his show. And yeah, I met him at Podcast Movement and he was doing a book launch. And so he, you know, I got to meet him. And so I actually got him to sign the book and everything. So if you're looking at building an audience, getting to know a little bit more about uh, the people that you're reaching out to, then it's a terrific way to go. I've also recently been reading a lot of stuff from Neil Patel. He does a lot of different things, but I've been mostly reading and studying from him uh, the stuff on SEO, just to kind of help get the word out about the podcasts. That's just another resource. So you can find all his stuff at neilpatel.com. He has a tool on there called Uber, Uber Suggest, and it's a really, really handy tool for figuring out a lot of this stuff. So I'm going to pick that as well. Do you have some things you want to shout out about on the show? Yeah, I think like one of the things I always try to tell people that I'm very excited about that helped me a lot when I when I develop, I think it fits well in sort of the JavaScript realm here is if you're using VS Code, you can enable a setting called JavaScript.implicitprojectconfig.checkjs. And what this will do is it will run every JavaScript that you run, uh, that you write through the TypeScript compiler sort of in the background. And what that means is it catches a lot of the errors that you might be doing that you're not really thinking about. I think like a common example is sort of like document.query selector, specify something and then dot inner HTML, for example, and you're trying to manipulate that, but query selector can return null, for example. And so it's one of these things that's like very easy, easily overlooked and uh, is super helpful, at least on my daily daily basis when I'm writing JavaScript, kind of catching catching these issues uh, quickly without actually having to write TypeScript. Nice. Before we wrap up, if people want to follow you online or see, you know, what you're working on these days, where do they go? Where do they find that stuff? Yeah, uh, I think the best way to kind of follow up with like what I'm working on and stuff is uh, following me on Twitter. So if you go to uh, Twitter and search for D Kundel, D K U N D E L, then you can uh, see everything I'm working on and uh, follow me there as well as kind of reach out to me if you have any questions. I'm always happy to help. And the same username is sort of across the internet. So if you want to check it out, uh, check out my GitHub, it's the same, dkundal, and uh, dkundal at Twilio will get you uh, into my inbox. So if you want to 
uh, send me an email. Awesome. All right. Well, let's go ahead and wrap this show up. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. Super excited that I was able to chat with you. Yeah, me too. All right, folks. Uh, we will catch you all next week. Thank you. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.